Well, it's wonderful to be back here with you at 11 o'clock service on, uh, on this Sunday morning here in Kessley Temple. I want to say thank you to Pastor Colin for uh, inviting me to come and share the word of God with you. It's always an honor and a privilege to stand on this platform and to share the word of God. So if you got your Bibles this morning, coming to the afternoon, please go with me to the uh, epistle of Paul to the Ephesians chapter 5. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians chapter 5. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians chapter 5. When you look at the book of Ephesians, the, it's, it's written in two parts. Chapter 1 to 3 is part 1 and chapter 4 to 6 is part 2. Uh, chapter 1 to 3 talks to us about who we are in Christ, uh, our inheritance in Christ, our riches in Christ, our union with Christ, and everything that God has pre-planned for us because we are in Christ. And then part 2 of Ephesians talks to us about how we ought to use our riches and our inheritance. Part 1 talks to us about the power that we have. Part 2 talks to us about how to use the power. And also you find in Ephesians also that part one talks to us about who we are in Christ. And then part two talks to us about how we ought to behave and conduct ourselves in Christ. But as Paul puts it in Ephesians uh, chapter, chapter four and five, how we ought to walk in Christ, our walk in Christ. And as you read the book of Ephesians, you come across Paul saying to us through the church in Ephesus that we ought to walk in love. We ought to walk uh, uh, in, in, in humility. We ought to walk circumspectly. Uh, we, we ought not to walk like the Gentiles. And then where we want to look at today in chapter 5 from verse 8, Paul says to us, we ought to walk as children of light. I personally believe that one of the greatest inheritance that we have in Christ is this inheritance that is called light, the light of Christ. There are so many things Paul tells us in chapter 1 to 3 about our inheritance in Christ, how we've been uh, preordained before the foundation of the world, how we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places, so many things that, Christ tell, that Paul tells us. But I believe that light is one of the most powerful inheritances that we have in Christ. And I want to bring that word to you today because I believe that darkness is going to go away from your life today. Can I hear you say a big amen? Amen. Okay, am I in KT? Yeah. Is this the 11 o'clock service? Yeah. Okay, can we say a bigger amen? amen? Hallelujah, because when we say amen, we are agreeing with the word of God. We are saying, so let it be. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 8. Paul says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light for the fruit of the spirit and some Bible translations will say the fruit of the light is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ 
will give you light. Hallelujah. Now, in scriptures, light is symbolic. Life, light is a symbol. Uh, and, and this symbol has two parts. The first part is knowledge, intellectual knowledge, uh, what we call truth, the truth of the word of God. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Light brings truth. That's why Psalm 119 says, your, wo- your, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway. Light also represents morals, what we can call holiness. So when the light of God comes into our lives, we receive the truth of the word of God that produces morals or holiness in our lives. So light comes and produces holiness. On the other hand, darkness represents ignorance and also produces evil deeds. So those who walk in darkness, the fruit of darkness is evil. The fruit of light is holiness. And so here Paul says, we ought to walk as children of light. Why? Because when you go to Genesis chapter 1 verse 3, we discover that the first thing that God created in the beginning was light. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was void. And there was darkness upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Also, when you look through scriptures, you will find out that that, that Jesus himself says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. God himself dwells in light that no one can approach unto. And God says, the Bible says that, the Bible declares that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. Then in Matthew uh, 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 chapter 5, the Bible says, 14 to 16, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. That is you and I. We are the light of the world. And, uh, and that uh, uh, because we are the light of the world, we are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Then he says, let your light so shine before men that they, would, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So when light comes into our life, when we allow the light of Christ to shine in our lives, people will see our good works and all the glory goes to God. And so here, I'm trying to establish to you that God is light. I'm saying unto you that Jesus Christ described himself as light. And he, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, also says that we, as his children, as the children of God, we are also light in our world. And when you take a look at our world today, darkness seems to want to overcome where you find information about the darkest things, even the occult, which means hidden, is no longer hidden. You can go to anywhere and buy books on occult. Children are playing with Ouija boards. The darkness is wanting to encase and enclose everybody. But it's in the midst of this darkness that Jesus Christ says, we are light. We are the light of our world. And unless we rise up to shine, there's no light in this world. You and I are the light that the the world needs. You 
You listening to me, you hearing me, you under the, the sound of my voice. It is you that Jesus is looking to, to shine his light into our world. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a great thing, which means everywhere I go and everywhere you go, you can expect darkness to flee from you. Can I hear you say amen? amen. When you walk into a room that is dark, you don't turn off the darkness. You simply turn on the light. And then the darkness disappears. And Jesus expects us as light, as salt, to go into our world and turn on the light. He expects us to do that. Now, light here, according to this passage, produces three things. If we are walking in light, Paul says in verse 9 that the fruit of the light or the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness. One, goodness. The first thing that comes out of our lives is goodness. Now, goodness here is from the, word, the Greek word agathosune, which means a goodness, a godly behavior, moral excellence that comes, that is produced out of us because of our divine knowledge that touches the life of other people around us. It is where you get the word agathos from and the name agatha from. It is a divine goodness that is produced, divine goodness that is produced out of your life because you are in the light, because you are walking in the light. Goodness oozes out of your life and my life towards others. If that is not happening, then we are not walking in light. Number two, it says it produces righteousness. Righteousness is a robe that God gives to us because we are in Christ Jesus. The robe of righteousness. You remember the, the prodigal son when he came back home? The father said, take away his filthy robes and give him a new robe. It is the robe of righteousness. It's the robe of holiness. It's a gift that Jesus Christ gave us so that we can stand before God. To give us a right standing before Jehovah God. So righteousness is the way of dealing with our God. It's what allows us to stand before God. And number three says truth. Now, the Greek word there is aletheia, which means sincerity and integrity within yourself. Are you sincere to yourself? You may be deceived by people. You may be deceived by the news. You may be deceived by government. You may be deceived by family. But are you deceiving yourself? Because one of the greatest things that can destroy a Christian is self-deception. It's when you can no longer tell yourself the truth. You are living a lie. And that's a terrible place to be. And I pray that that will not be your portion in Jesus' mighty name. And so, here we see these three things that comes out of a person in, who, in whose life Christ's life, Christ light is manifesting. Number one, goodness. Something that comes out of you that touches the people around you. It's so wonderful to see the three baby dedications today. So wonderful to see how people in the wound ministry has touched their lives and how they have touched each other's lives with the goodness, individual goodness in their lives to bring out, to be doing a baby dedication together. What a beautiful thing to see. Hallelujah. Uh, by the way, I was telling um, Dr. Solomon Osage that he needs to do better. If this is all the strategy he's got for church growth, he needs to do something more. Amen. Praise God. I have contributed my own, my own uh, uh, contribution to church growth. I have four kids, you know. <laughs> but we've we got to do better than just, uh, you know, 
tribe dedication to bring more people into the kingdom. Amen. Okay, so we need more strategy from you about church growth. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. That's just a digression. <laughs> Amen. So now, Paul says when these three things come out of our lives, our goodness touches other people around us. Our right standing before God, righteousness, is visible. Not only that, we're sincere with ourselves. We walk in integrity with one another, but especially within ourselves, we walk with integrity. And then he, say, he goes on to say that when that happens, then in your life and in my life, there's a dedication to finding out what is pleasing to God. Proving what is pleasing to God. I want to know, God, how can I please you today? Then when you go on with in the light, he says you will never have fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Every time you see anything that represents darkness in your life, you want to go away from it. But rather, instead of participating in that and contributing to that and partaking of that, you separate yourself. You expose it. And then Paul says here, when you expose anything that is in darkness, you yourself, you are manifesting as light. You are manifesting as light. Then he goes on to say, Uh, in verse um, 12 that the things that are done in darkness are shameful the deeds of darkness are shameful but today our world is so encased in darkness that even those dark deeds are being exposed by those who are doing them and unfortunately it seems as if we as Christians as children of light we are hiding our light under the basket but Jesus says no When darkness is around, then you put on the candle, you put on that light, and you put it on display to drive away the darkness. Kensington Temple, brothers and sisters, it's time for us to put our light on display for the world to see. Because if we don't do that, it's not good news. Then he says, we must expose them. Then verse 14 says, therefore he says, I wake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, Paul is saying here we are people that are sleeping, we are conscious, but we are unconscious of things happening around us. The light is unconscious of the darkness that is about to overcome it. But in chapter 2, verse 1, he says to us uh, in Ephesians, And you he made alive. Now, when you are dead, you are not alive. Paul says, we are Christians, we are alive in Christ. We've been made alive. Why are we behaving as if we are sleeping and we are slumbering to the extent that the world thinks that the church is dead? And Revelation chapter 3 says, speaks about the dead church. That you have a reputation. And that's you and I. We are the church. We have a reputation that we are alive, but unfortunately, everybody can see that we are dead. And if we don't do something about it, then there's a problem. And Paul tells us what to do about it in verse 14. He says, therefore, awake, you who sleep. I was saying at the 9 o'clock service, my second daughter, when she was a baby, sometimes I have to go to her court and, and poke her. Are you still alive? I couldn't hear her breathing. She was, you know, I couldn't see her belly going up and down. So I have to poke her. Whereas some of us as adults, we, nobody needs to poke us because the neighbor is complaining about our snoring. <laughs> but here Paul says, if you're sleeping, it's time to wake up. 
If the light of Christ is going out of you and you're looking like you're dead as a Christian, it's time to arise from the dead. Now here, he's not asking us to cry out to the Holy Spirit to wake us up. No, he says, you, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. Because if we don't do that as a problem, we become like the dead church in Revelation chapter 3. And that's the bad news. But that's good news. And that good news is Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 60. So if you go with me in your Bible to, the, to, the, uh, to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah chapter 60. Here from verse 1, Isaiah says the same thing. Arise, shine, for your light has come. If you don't arise from the dust, if you don't wake yourself up from the, from the sleep, if you don't wake yourself up from the slumber, if you don't get out of that deadness that is affecting your life, your light cannot come. And light is powerful. That means your life cannot drive away darkness that is around you. Isaiah says, it is you who have to arise. It is you who needs to shine. When you arise like the sun is rising in the morning. And as the sun is rising in the morning, the darkness of the light is disappearing. The Bible says that the light of the glory of God will arise at the same time upon you. But you have to arise first. You have to take that step and say, I'm shaking myself out of my lethargy. I'm shaking myself out of this dust. I am going to overcome because Christ has made me victorious. I have no reason to be under my circumstances. I've got to be over my circumstances. I have no reason to be under darkness. I need to be light to overcome darkness. Now, I'm not just saying this to encourage you. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that you are light. It's not saying you are going to become light. You already are light. It has nothing to do with your degrees. It has nothing to do with your bank balance. It has nothing to do with how popular you are. It has nothing to do with what is happening around you now. Jesus says you are the light of the world. You are who you are. Paul says behave like that. Walk like that. Do what pertains unto light. Let your goodness come. Let your righteousness be seen. Let truth be seen in your life. And when you arise and you shine, your light will come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. And he says, look at it now, observe. He says, behold. Verse 2 says, for behold. Behold means look, observe, pay attention. Pay attention because the darkness shall cover the earth. Darkness is covering the earth. Darkness means ignorance. Ignorance of the truth of God. Ignorance about who Christ is. Ignorance of salvation. Ignorance about the inheritance that is possible in Christ Jesus. The ignorance is out there. That's why people say there is no God. Show me your God, I will believe it. It's ignorance. That's why the Bible says that it's only a fool that have said there's no God. Foolishness is out there. But Paul says, you and I must arise out of that foolishness. Because if we do, if we look around us, we'll see that darkness is there. And then he says, deep darkness will cover the people. How many people do you see around you that are covered in deep darkness? Ignorance of who they are. Ignorance of the world around them. Ignorance of everything. No knowledge. No divine, holy knowledge that comes from Jesus Christ alone. 
The Bible says that they are dead in their sins and in their trespasses. And you and I were like that before. But God, who is rich in mercy, gave us life. The light of Christ has come. The life of Christ is in us. We are now awake. We shouldn't be behaving like dead people. We shouldn't be behaving like people who are asleep while we are conscious. And uh, Isaiah says, but that darkness will not affect you because the glory of the Lord will arise over you. I pray for you today that the glory of the Lord will arise over you. The glory of the Lord will arise over you. The glory of Jehovah will arise over you. The glory of God will arise over your family. The glory of God will arise over everything that pertains unto you. But you have to arise. You have to awake from sleep and from deadness. You have to begin to say to yourself, I'm light. I'm supposed to be on display for the world to see. Isaiah says, when that happens in your life, when you awake, when you arise, when you allow your light to come and the glory of God is risen upon you, verse 3 of Isaiah 60 says, then the Gentiles shall come to your light. Suddenly, unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus will begin to see and say, there's something different about you. What is it about you? There's something different about your family. It's because the glory of God has arisen over you. It's because your light has come. It's because you've shaken yourself out of the dust. You've said to Satan, enough is enough. I'm not partaking of that business of yours again. I'm departing from your kingdom. I'm now in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Jesus. Gentiles will, become to, will begin to come to your light. And then he goes on to say, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Unbelievers will notice you. So will people who are in authority. Oh, in that place of work that you are in. You think you are being discriminated against because you are black, because you are white, because you are Asian, because of the way you talk, because of the way you look, because of your disabilities. Isaiah says when you arise and you allow your light to come and you allow the glory of God to arise over you, they will not be able to resist you. The people that don't like you begin to like you. They have no choice. They will have no choice. That's what Isaiah is saying here. They will have no choice. They have to come to you. Your boss who doesn't like to see you say, well, I don't really know what to do about this issue. We have to wait for him. We need to wait for her. Let's wait for church woman. Let's wait for church man. Let's wait for the Jesus boy. Let's wait for the Jesus girl. I'm sure he's going to have a solution to this. Because the glory of God has arisen over you. Hallelujah. And then he says, lift up your eyes now. Look at these people that are coming around you. Your sons and your daughters. Your spiritual sons and your spiritual daughters are coming from afar. They are coming from afar. And kings will bring them. Queens will bring them. People of influence, people of authority will come and they will come and worship with you to serve the God that you serve. And he says, they won't come empty-handed. They will come with gold. They will come with silver. They will come with frankincense. They will come with iron. They will come with precious stuff. Which means as you arise, as you awake, as you allow your, allow your light to come and the glory of God rises up above you, it's rising with you, people will begin to notice you, whether they like it or not. Authority will notice you. You know that art you've been painting for a long time and no studio wants it. Oh, the glory of God will draw attention to you. 
That project you've been doing, and nobody is even looking at it, that the glory of God will rise upon you, and people in authority will begin to notice you. That drama you've been writing, and it seems nobody wants it in Hollywood. When the glory of God begins to arise you, they will begin to chase you, because your light has come. Your light has come. And as you grow, and people be, begin to gather around you. Your cell begins to grow. The church begins to grow. The Bible says that prosperity comes with it. Gold, they will bring gold. They will bring silver. They will bring precious things to minister to the Lord with you, to sing the praises of your God. That is the promise of light. But there's something we have to do. We have to arise. Like the prodigal son said, I will arise. I will go back to my father. Like Deborah said, I arose a mother in Israel. Like Hannah did, she got up from that place of sorrow. She walked into the house of God and she poured out her life to God. Like David did when nobody was going to rise up against Goliath. David said, is there no cause? I will face this giant. It is you who have to take that step. And when you take that step, the glory of God will rise above you. The glory of God will showcase you. Your light will be made to display. And light causes attraction. Now, if we turn off the lights in this place, and somebody releases a firefly, a small firefly, all our eyes will begin to follow the firefly. That's the attraction of light. That's what your life is meant to be. And I pray for you today that your light will come. Your light will shine. Your light will shine. In the name of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how much darkness is there in our world. It doesn't matter how deep the darkness is upon the people around you. Your light will come and the glory of God will arise over you. In the name of Jesus. But maybe you are here today, you don't know Jesus Christ as the light of the world. We're going to pray a prayer, a prayer that asks you to come into that light. Because everything I've said, all these benefits of light cannot come into your life until you come into union with Christ. When you read Ephesians 1, 2, 3, every inheritance, every blessing, every richness is in Christ Jesus. In him, you find those phrases, in him, in Christ, in him. It means that as you come into union with him, you can begin to believe him for these inheritances and blessings. But maybe you're here today, you are not yet in that union with him. I want us to give you an opportunity. We're all going to pray a prayer together. And that prayer is going to be especially for you. Asking Jesus to come into your life to forgive you your sins. So I want us all, please, to bow down our heads and close our eyes. Let's bow down our heads and close our eyes. And I want us to pray loud and clear. Say with me, Father, I come to you today. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. And I have gone away from your will. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he came into this world and died on the cross to wash me of my sins. I ask you today to forgive me my sins. I want to come into your light. Forgive me my sins and write my name in your book of life. And I commit myself to you today to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.